Greetings in the precious name of the Lord Jesus. I've uh, enjoyed service so far. Thank you for all who contributed. Maybe we could just take a moment and stand together and pray. Heavenly Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, we come to you this morning. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity. Thank you for this assembly. Thank you for each person represented here today, present here. Thank you for your grace that has been at work in each heart. We are grateful for that, Father. And it's because of that grace that spirit working that uh, we we're in a place where we delight in gathering with your people delight in being uh, taught and exhorted and challenged in our walk in our journey of life thank you lord bless this our father as it's before us as we again look into the scriptures and try to glean wisdom and understanding for life and life's uh, responsibilities. Give me clarity of thought. Add to my thoughts things that I may not have considered that are pertinent to the subject. And Lord, if there's thoughts that... uh, are only my own and not yours, I pray that they may be forgotten in the delivery of the message, Lord. So, Father, again, bless each one here. Bless anyone who may have had a desire to be here but were not able. Pray that you would minister to them in their need as well. Bless our families in Tanzania, Lord. We're grateful for the privilege of... uh, having uh, open doors and opportunities to plant churches and uh, disciple believers there. Thank you, Lord. Pray a blessing on each one of them. And that your kingdom would continue to extend there as well. So, Father, again, we say thank you. Thank you for this assembly. We ask your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> I am thankful this morning that, uh, at least up to this point, uh, Things are going a little better for me than they were in my dream this morning. I, um, it was a wedding. I suppose it must have been Heather's wedding. I don't know. Um, I was to have the message and the ceremony. And, um, They were singing the songs, and I knew that my paper that I followed for the ceremony was still from a previous wedding, and I hadn't 
changed the names of the couple, and I was trying to quick change that, and um, I was in a side room, and there was a few other folks around, and I was, first off, I, I quickly tried to get into my computer and change it there and print out a new one, and and I could not get to my, I couldn't find my documents at all on my screen. My screen just didn't look right. I couldn't find the right buttons. I just couldn't go anywhere. And so then finally, I, well, where is the paper that I did have that had the wrong names on? I couldn't find that one anymore. And I telling the people that were around me, a couple of young fellas, search the trash can. I need my paper. <laughs> We just couldn't find it. Finally, the singing is finished. Everybody's sitting out there quiet. I'm thinking, just just sing a couple more songs. I'll get my act together eventually. <laughs> and uh, the Lord had mercy on me, woke me up, and got me out of my misery. <laughs> oh, my. Anyway, that was uh, kind of refreshing to realize that uh, it was all just a dream. So... <clears throat> Anyhow, um, introducing our message this morning. Uh, last Sunday, last Sunday morning, in my uh, quiet time, sitting at my desk, I uh, I got a few inspirations, uh, inspiring thoughts uh, regarding uh, children, child training, that type of a nature. And uh, <clears throat> wrote wrote some things down, just just uh, jotted a few thoughts down. Came to church, and uh, David Horst had the devotional and talked about family and child training and home life. I'll say it that way. I thought, oh, okay. It's kind of interesting that he has that subject, and, and, and I had a few inspirations myself. And uh, so I started giving more serious thought to those inspirations. And my inspirations had come out of uh, last week. Um, last, uh, not this past week, but the week before there, I'd been to a an, a an employee uh, business seminar. And uh, my thoughts about child training were coming out of that. Uh, so I was thinking about, I was thinking about employees. And, uh, and I think some of the things that we'd heard about very obviously were how to be a good employee and, and uh, various things on that nature. And, and so my thoughts started going down the line of, okay, so employees are adults, but uh, those ad- today's employees were at one point children, and someone was training those children. <laughs> and today's children are someday going to be the employees. And uh, that's where my inspirations were coming from. I'm not sure that uh, my, the message will actually carry that perspective through it, but I did uh, did uh, focus and prepare a message relating to uh, 
child training. <clears throat> I thought about the fact that we have uh, a weekend of meetings coming in January. I thought, I think by, by that time you'll be ready for more. <laughs> I doubt I'll wear you out on the subject. I could probably, we could probably have several messages between now and then and still wouldn't wear the subject out. So, <clears throat> so I've titled today's message, Your Children, Your Ministry, your calling. I'd like to uh, think about it that way. Uh, I realize we could have uh, could have re- uh, changed the order of some of that. Your children, your calling, your ministry. Um, I have it on my paper as your children, your ministry, your calling. And uh, we'll just uh, give some time to that uh, subject. I'd like to begin in Genesis chapter 18, and the first point is simply your calling. <clears throat> Genesis chapter 18. Beginning in verse 16 and reading through verse 19. <clears throat> This is where the angels had come to, uh, or the three men had come to uh, Abraham. It says in, in verse 16, And the men rose up from thence and looked toward Sodom. And Abraham went with them to bring them on the way. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do? Seeing that Abraham, surely, Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, And all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I know him that he will command his children and his household after him. And they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment. That the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he hath spoken of him. So here we have uh, God's testimony of Abraham. He said, and God's testimony is that I know him, that he will command his children and his household after him. So, we we get a glimpse into the the heart of God about family. uh, That uh, God is. Uh, maybe I could even say he's uh, expecting fathers to uh, command their children and household after themselves, after the, they're to teach and instruct. Um, let's go to Deuteronomy and uh, look at a few instructions that God gave to Israel as a nation. As a people, and we'll begin in chapter 4 and just uh, read a few verses and skip through and catch a few uh, in other chapters as well. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 9, through verse uh, verse 9 and 10. Only t- take heed 
to thyself and keep thy soul diligently, lest thou forget the things which thine eyes have seen, and lest they depart from thy heart all the days of thy life. But teach them thy sons and thy sons' sons, especially the day that thou stoodst before the Lord thy God in Horeb, when the Lord said unto me, Gather me the people together, and I will make them hear my words, that they may fear me all the days that they shall live upon the earth, and that they may teach their children. <clears throat> I'd like to note in this one, in this scripture, that um, the first exhortation is given to the parent. Uh, Only take heed to thyself, and keep thy soul diligently. Lest thou forget the things which thine eyes have seen, and teach them thy sons and thy sons' sons. Uh, Pass them on. Pass on what you know and understand. Let's go to Deuteronomy 6, verse 4. Verse 4 through verse 9. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might, with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. Thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes. And thou shalt write them upon the post of thy house and on thy gates. <clears throat> Again, the uh, instruction to teach them to our children. Uh, Deuteronomy 11. Again, these, these uh, scriptures are similar. But God was fairly urgent about it. Deuteronomy 11, verse 18 to 23. Therefore shall ye lay up these my words in your heart and in your soul, and bind them for a sign upon your hand, that they may be be as frontlets between your eyes. And ye shall teach them your children, Speaking of them, when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up, thou shalt write them upon the doorposts of thine house, and upon thy gates, that your days may be multiplied, the days and the days of your children, in the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers to give them, as the days of heaven upon the earth. <clears throat> All right, so there we have three uh, specific instructions to the people uh, of Israel, to teach their children the things that they have learned. Uh, and just a, a, a verse here from First Chronicles 28, David to his son Solomon, And thou, Solomon, my son, know thou the, know thou the God of thy father, and serve him with a perfect heart and with a willing mind, For the Lord searcheth all hearts and understandeth all the imaginations of the thoughts. If thou seek him, he will be found of thee. But if thou forsake him, he will cast thee off forever. There we have an example of a father who is instructing his son. Uh, 
giving him, uh, <clears throat> yeah, giving him uh, the truth. We have Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4, And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. So your calling, your children are your calling, your ministry. They are, um, and sometimes we, sometimes that is said to the the mothers, um, since they are the housekeeper, and they are the one that spends most of the time with the children when they're young in the home. Uh, but it's not, uh, it's not, it's not a, while it is, while that responsibility does fall on the mothers a lot, it's not just their responsibility. As fathers, we actually carry the responsibility of the responsibility. Um, we are the ones who, um, finally, uh, as the head of the home, uh, they're part of their are calling. It's it's uh, and that calling that calling comes ahead of other callings. I I'm going to put it in that order. I I know sometimes people contend that and say that uh, if you're called to the ministry, that's your higher calling. I, I'm just going to disagree. <laughs> Sorry if you disagree with me, but I I believe that your children are a calling that if you neglect it, no one else is going to pick it up. And it is a calling that has been given to us uh, as parents. Uh, they are our offspring. Uh, we will we are their primary influencers in life and. Uh, what they get, a lot of what they get, I'll say it that way, a lot of what they get, they will get from us. And so, it is our calling. And it is a ministry. <clears throat> so the second point I'd like to think about is your task. So you have a calling... And that calling is to teach and instruct and train and guide your children. I'd like to define your task a bit this morning. There's a, there's a verse in Proverbs, Proverbs 29, verse 15 says this, The rod and reproof give wisdom... But a child left to himself brings his mother to shame. Now, I'd like to, uh, I'd like you to think about your child, um, and compare it to a, uh, a field, you know, a, a wide open field out there. Um, you know, there's that proverb that says, I went by the, field of the slothful and the wall was broken down and things were growing up. That's kind of the picture we get here in this verse in Proverbs 29 verse 15. But a child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. You get kind of the same picture. 
So what does it take for a field out there? Uh, in the distance, I see a field of corn. And I can't really see if there's weeds in that corn from here. But likely there's not too many. Um, but just think about it. Uh, what, what, uh, what all takes place in order to have a nice crop? There's a lot of cultivating that takes place. And the same is true in the life of a child. A lot of cultivating needs to take place. So your task is cultivating responsible, healthy character. Cultivating responsible, healthy character. You know that farmer out over there, he he desired... His desire was to have a healthy corn crop. And so he engaged his energies to uh, cultivate that field, that crop, to where it develops into a healthy corn crop. One of the things he does is he removes all other plants because the presence of those other plants are going to hinder his healthy corn crop. So he, he does what he needs to do to make sure that all other plants are removed. And he nurtures the plant that he wants there. He nurtures that corn plant, that corn crop. Gives it what it needs. Gives it the nutrients. And the same is true. In the lives of our children. I think we all know very well that a child, as this verse says, a child left to themselves bring their mother to shame. A child that is not cultivated, that is left uncultivated, left untrained, left undisciplined, unguided, turns into a nightmare, doesn't it? Many times. Thus, we often use this term when someone has a, a newborn baby. They have just uh, entered another 20-year commitment. 20 years to cultivate, to nurture, and to guide that little life. Weeding out the character uh, issues that are undesirable. Nurturing the desirable ones and endeavoring to uh, disciple and develop a character, a person that is useful in life and in society as opposed to one that is chaotic and fills our prisons in 25 years and that kind of thing. <clears throat> There's a, a saying that I've been hearing recently in some of the leadership training that uh, 
been a part of, and it's and that saying is that you have to repeat something seven times before it will actually stick, before someone will actually get it. You know, that was an eye-opener to me. I've often taken the mentality that if I said something once, the person should know what I'm thinking and what I meant and understand it. And I have gotten frustrated at times with people because I told them. <laughs> but I told them one time, maybe. That was an eye-opener. Think about that with your children. You won't, uh, you won't accomplish the task in one day or in one year. You'll get frustrated if you feel like you addressed one, an issue one time and it just didn't go away. You'll probably have to address it multiple times. And consistency is the key. So be encouraged. Um, I think that statement uh, is based on research, uh, is my understanding, that you have to repeat something seven times. So, your task, cultivating responsible, healthy character. And we'll, we'll kind of keep breaking this down a little bit more as we go. But, uh, and that is a task. That is a, a um, it's a 20-year commitment. It doesn't stop at 15, doesn't stop at 17. And I know we just kind of use that 20 as a, 20 is not necessarily a magical term either, but uh, obviously if you haven't accomplished it by the time they're 20, I think you <laughs> lost your opportunity pretty well. Uh, so your task, cultivating responsible, healthy character. <clears throat> Third point, cultivating responsibility in work. Um, so the, another proverb says, Go to the ant thou sluggard and cons- consider her ways and be wise, which having no guide, overseer, or ruler, provideth her meat in the summer and gathereth her food in harvest. So we're instructed to, to be instructed by what we see the ant doing. And that is simply that the ant is a responsible creature. And they take responsibility for their their needs and such. So teaching responsibility is obviously, you know, it's a, it's it's somewhat age based. You don't uh, teach a four year old to drive a tractor. Uh, but there are things of responsibility that you actually teach a four year old, and maybe even younger. Um, so always remember that uh, uh, age. And their capabilities are all part of this scope. But you don't, we don't need to wait until they're 18 to start teaching our young ladies how to cook a meal or how to wash their clothes. Or <clears throat> you know, young children can take more responsibility than we sometimes think. Um, it is it is amazing what they actually can take responsibility for, even at young at a young age. Um, one of the things that I know I always I thought it was 
I admired it. I'm going to say it that way. My wife had our children, each of them, doing their own wash. They had to pull out a step stool and put it in front of the uh, top load washer so they could get up and reach in and dump their stuff in the washer. But each child at some point, and I don't remember the age, but each one was responsible for their own wash. And they had their day of the week where it was their morning to go and put their stuff in the washer and wash it and then go get it out. And uh, So that's just an example. Of course, this... Uh, this whole thing of washing dishes and and uh, drying dishes, and that's one that uh, a lot of children get training on. It's things that children can do. And if your dishes are too precious to be broken, just uh, put those precious ones away and get some that you're okay with being broken. Or get some that don't break. It's worth it. It's worth it to give your children that responsibility. Cleaning off the table. And, uh, yeah. If it's too dangerous or if they're too valuable, then just get something that's not so valuable and let them do their job. And if something gets broken, that's okay. Cooking and baking, things that they can do at a young age. Um, again, remember, safety is important and safety is first. Uh, working with hot items, we do have to be careful, but doesn't mean we uh, keep them 10 feet away from the stove until they're 20. Also, cleaning up their... Uh, Toys after their day's play can be a, uh, a, a way to teach responsibility. And that's one of the areas I've thought about it, uh, thinking about it from the terms of employment. You know, uh, in our work, we always clean up our work uh, job site at the end of the day. Uh, we won't leave the job site until we have things cleaned up in order if we're coming back the next morning, it doesn't mean that we load everything up, but it does mean we clean everything up. We put uh, the tools away. We leave some of the bigger items set, but we might set them uh, in, a, in an orderly way so that they're not in the, in the people's uh, path and such. Um, cleaning up at the end of the day, you know, it's just fine for children to get out their toys and even get out uh, uh, their little tools in their... A garage or whatever and, and, and have an active day of playing but at the end of the day clean them up put it away good responsibility training uh, put them all back in their place sweep the floor uh, next day they'll mess it all up again in their play and work but that's okay the responsibility is being taught in cleaning up uh, cleaning up in their, their school desks and when their school work is done and their day's schoolwork is done, cleaning up and making sure that uh, it's clean around their desk and their workstation and things that your children can do. I'm just jogging your brain a little bit. You probably got a list that's bigger than that, and you might have thought about them already. But just think about it and add to that list things that are common in your ha household. 
that you can look at and say, okay, this child can handle this responsibility. I'm going to give them this responsibility. Take out the trash, you know, just another one. Uh, and, the, and to do it right and to do it well. I remember as a child, and I don't know how old I was, but my brother and I were given the responsibility to rake leaves in the yard. And supper time came, we had goofed off, we didn't get the job done. And supper time came and everybody else sat down and ate supper and my brother and I were out there raking leaves, <laughs> teaching responsibility. Sometimes there's consequences when you don't uh, do what you're supposed to do. So, cultivating responsibility in work. And uh, again, as I was thinking about that, I was thinking in terms of future employment. Um, and we could think in terms of, you know, as you train your daughters, think in terms of future wife for someone. As you train your young men, future husband. As you disciple their character, think about it. What would you like to see? What do you see in their lives that if you magnify it a bit, you just really wouldn't like it? Work on it now when they're younger. You'll help them a lot. I'd like to talk about, uh, the next point I'd like to talk about is cultivating responsibility in literature. Now, I don't know if I have to give an uh, explanation to that or not, but literature is anything that you can view or read. Um, and uh, it, an old saying was of the making of books, there is no end. And an updated saying, I guess, would be the making of web pages, there is no end. Uh, cultivating responsibility in literature. You know, having uh, have quality reading material on your bookshelves so that your children can uh, immerse themselves in quality reading material. Good books. Good, uh, uh, good books with, uh, you know, life lessons. Uh, and not all, per se, have life lessons, but... Uh, and give warnings about material that uh, that defiles, and there's plenty of that in in our world. Uh, hopefully, not in your homes. But cultivate responsibility in literature. Cultivate in the. Uh, uh, let, let me read this psalm first. Psalm one hundred one hundred one verse three. I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. I hate the work of them that turn aside. It shall not cleave to me. That, that verse is actually an intensely loaded verse. It says, I'll, 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 I'll set no wicked thing before mine eyes. I hate the work of them that turn aside. It shall not cleave to me. There is a, there's a lot of uh, literature today, and always has been, uh, but there's a lot of literature and when I use the word literature, I'm using it, you know, electronically, paper copy, whatever, across the board. There's a lot of literature that is the work of them that turn aside. And if you immerse yourself in that literature, it will cleave to you. 
And it's not going to be very nice. And it will cleave to your children if they immerse themselves in that uh, literature that is the work of those that turn aside. And our world is, is full of that. So cultivate in their hearts as they grow up, cultivate in their hearts uh, the truth of a verse like this, that there is reading material that is good and wholesome and upbuilding and will benefit you and will make you a better person. And there is material that will defile you and corrupt you and make you an ugly person. And you as an individual need to learn uh, learn the discipline of when you see material that is not wholesome, that you won't look at it. You won't delve into it. You will do whatever you can to stay away from it, to, to try to cultivate that sensitivity in the heart. You know, there's, there's all sorts of levels of reading material. There's reading material that's wholesome and upbuilding and, and useful. There's reading material that's basically neutral you know uh, we get grower magazines and other people get magazines for their businesses you know it's neutral it's it's business information it's uh, yeah just doesn't necessarily give you a spiritual high <laughs> but it doesn't defile you either it just material <clears throat> but then there's literature that is the work of them that turn aside, and it's it's uh, it's defiling. In years gone by, it was uh, it was things like uh, a daily newspaper in the home that had things you know things written you know yeah there was some things in a daily newspaper that were fine. But some things were sensual. Some things were defiling. Uh, it was things like a, a Sears and Roebuck catalog, which you don't know anything about, except the older generation, where these big department stores would send out catalogs of all their items and, and garments modeled and, yeah, these things became points of defilement for children when these magazines were in the home, catalogs were in the homes. Uh, it was things like um, a parent going to an auction and buying box lots and taking them home and setting them in the corner of the barn and children getting into these box lots and finding material that was defiling. I've heard of those things. Fortunately, that never happened to me in that way, but I've heard of those things. That's how it was in years gone by. But today, it's the screen. It's the screen is where the pressure, where the uh, potential, and not just the screen, but that's, that's on the front line. So, cultivate responsibility in literature in, 
And yeah, today it's not just about uh, what you sh- your child doesn't need to just be instructed about what they should do if they are walking along the road and find a, a, a magazine that's filthy. They need to be instructed how to handle the screen and what's profitable and what's not profitable. And uh, I guess I, I'm going to suggest that even as parents, um, we need discernment and wisdom to know how to handle the screen, even in terms of not just what's defiling, but what's actually wholesome and upbuilding. One of the things that I grapple with, and I don't have answers for it, and I'm not sure where it should, where the answer should be, and I'm not sure what the level of involvement is here. But in our world today, there's a lot of uh, um, vlogging, vlogging going on. People video their whatever their uh, trip to Australia, or they video there, uh, you know, just there's a lot of those kind of things and then people put these things out there and you can spend hours watching people's thing they're doing. I'm not quite sure myself if young mothers with children are would be spending a fair bit of time in that world, you know, around your house with that thing playing a video and you maybe have earbuds in to listen to it so your children aren't interrupted by it. I'm not sure, personally, I'm not persuaded that that the end result of that kind of a uh, environment in the home will actually yield what we would want. I don't know if it happens or not. Uh, I just know that, uh, I know that there's a lot of that going on, you know, the logging. And you can watch people's life. I, I'm open for conversation on it. I, I think back to, I think back to our earlier generations when the radio became available. The radio could have just sat on the shelf and played kind of nice music to you. But there's groups that said no to the radio. The television came along, and some people thought the television was okay and could sit in the corner and you you know you watch the look at the stock markets in the morning and the and uh, you know but there's people that said no and i guess uh i i'm i'm not convinced that there aren't some things that we should actually be saying no to as well some things that might seem un Non-threatening, perhaps, might seem okay, but I'm just not—I'm uh, not fully persuaded myself that—that uh, that, uh, I think as a—and I'm going to say this for mothers because you're the ones that spend a lot of time in the home. I think your your life with your children should be spent with your energies and attention with them not focused on something else 
not. I just don't think you're going to be happy with the outcome if you, if you go about your day and you have your earbuds in and you're listening to this or that thing um, and your children have to raise their voice to get your attention and it, I just question whether that, uh, and like I said, I do not know if it's happening or not. I just know that there is a lot available. There's a lot available. Uh, and it's not bad stuff. In fact, quite interesting. But the question is, will it actually produce the right fruit that we want in the end? <clears throat> so, let's see here. Cultivating, yeah, co- uh, cultivating responsibility in literature. Um, try, to, uh, try to cultivate a sensitivity in the hearts of your children about right literature and wrong literature. And uh, and uh, create uh, create a safe uh, internet environment for your situation. Uh, you know, we do not have. Uh, I mean, churches have taken various different approaches to having their people safe with the internet. Uh, we have not taken a hardline approach where we all have to be in a certain box, a certain type of platform that we work from. But the bottom line is, there are there are people in this congregation that basically uh, the internet is basically safe for them on almost any level because they it does not bother them. But there are people in any crowd that need much safer boundaries on the Internet. Recognize that need and um, do what you have to do to take care of it. Uh, You will only frustrate yourself for years if you uh, think that somewhere along the way I'll become spiritual enough that this won't bother me anymore. Know where your know where your uh, where your weakness is, and take the steps to create a safe internet environment for you. Um, it'll be the wisest thing that you will do for your spiritual growth. So cultivate. So that's, first of all, that's for you. And then for your children, likewise. You may have one child who will never struggle with uh, much with wrong content. You may have another child who wrestles and wrestles and wrestles. Be aware of that. Do what you need to do for that child to create a safe environment for their uh, to uh, to help them with responsibility in literature. All right, we do need to move on. Uh, cultivating a scheduled life. So having schedule in life is simply moving through life with schedule and purpose. Uh, it's fairly simple and yet sometimes hard to do. Going to bed on time, getting up on a schedule uh, is a way of being scheduled in life. It doesn't mean you have to get up when I get up, but it means that you have a schedule. 
and you find a schedule that works for you and your business and what you're doing for your home and for your children, but you have a schedule. It's not left random and wide open and one child gets up at 8 o'clock and another one at 10 (laughs) o'clock. You have a schedule. We're talking about cultivating schedule uh, in their lives and order and, and things that will benefit them in years to come as they become adults. Have a scheduled time uh, for them to do their jobs, their work, their responsibilities that they have. Have a scheduled time for them to play. Uh, I mean, you know, understand we're not one minute, boom, now it's time for this. But you you understand, rather than just a random uh, haphazardous day, put some schedule into it. It's healthy for your children. You know, being being on time for events is part of a scheduled life. Uh, it's a good thing. It's I like to be on time. I'm not always, but I do like to be on time. Um, and being involved, it, yeah, making time for the things that are important is part of a scheduled life. You know, life um, life has. There's so many things one can do and so many things that can distract us. But if we, if we do, if we uh, take the time to consider what is, uh, you know, there's things that are important and there's things that are not as important. And if you have to miss one over the other, know what that is and, and, and set that in your schedule, set that in your mind, set that in the hearts of your children. These are important things. We're not going to miss them. We put them in the schedule first. We work the rest around it. That type of thing. Maybe that's where First uh, Thessalonians five twenty one comes in. Prove all things. Hold fast that which is good. Decide what's important and hang on to that. Make sure it gets in the schedule. Uh, yeah. All right. Our next point. Uh, cultivating healthy response to authority. All right. Uh, again, that verse there in uh, uh, Ephesians. Chapter 6, verse 1 to 3. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. Uh, We have Colossians, very similar scripture. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. And then it goes on and says, Servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh. Not with eye service as men pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. Brother Earl taught on the subject of uh, masters and servants. Um, basically, what we're looking at here is simply the 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 the, thought, the concept of authority and how these scriptures speak to that subject. Uh, we recognize that authority is a part of our lives. Uh, we all. We are 
under authority and we, uh, you know, we recognize that people have responsibilities, places of authority, but we all work under authorities of some level. And to cultivate healthy responses uh, to authority. You know, the scriptures that we read assume that there will be uh, instruction given. So, for example, children, obey your parents in the Lord. Uh, that scripture is assuming that a father or a parent will instruct that child with the expectation that that child will respect that instruction and follow it. That's, that's, the, uh, that's what we see in that scripture. We have the, when we think about uh, just the, the authority side of it and our responsibility in that, we think of the situation with uh, Eli there in, in 1 Samuel where God says, I had, I've told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knoweth because his sons made themselves vile and he restrained them not. So there we have the the whole thing of where there was a man in authority and he did not exercise his authority as he should have and God was not happy about it. And so our context here now is is to uh, cultivate in our children a healthy response to authority. We recognize that authority is a part of life. It's going to be there. It's going to be on various levels. And we have a responsibility or we would do them a favor if we can uh, teach them how to respond well to authority. <clears throat> and that's what we're looking at here. You know, this uh, begins when they are small. Uh, teaching them to respond cheerfully to your guidance as a parent, as a father, as a mother. And it changes somewhat, obviously, as they grow. But, uh, you know, sometimes it's actually necessary as a parent to uh, instruct your children who are young adults. It's, it's necessary sometimes. You know, sometimes, um, it's, and let me say this, it's necessary to them sometimes to instruct them, and it's a blessing if you can do that and they respect it as a young adult. Um, I'd like to share an example with you um, My father said no to me one time, and uh, I'd like to share with you that I'd like to walk you through that process a little bit because it was a good thing uh, in the end, but I have to give a little explanation so that you understand. This was a different culture. This was back in the 80s. So in our, uh, in our church situation back then, um, it was still the days of mag wheels and wide tires. Now, myself, I, uh, I was a conscientious youth. I was not a rebel. But uh, my father, so there was uh, 
there's uh, what was called a standard uh, rally wheel, which was a standard wheel that a car came with when you purchased it. And then there were wheels you could buy that were chrome mag wheels. And uh, and then there was, uh, and you can still do it, I, I see in this trend in pickups these days, uh, somehow these things go in trends. But anyhow, so... Uh, I had a brother who was uh, who was uh, several brothers older than me, but uh, my father was a very conservative-minded man, and if he would have had things his way, we would have been uh, we would have been pretty straight little boys, uh, big boys too. But I had a brother who who tested every boundary there was to test, and by the time I came along, my dad was accepting some things that. He would not have accepted at one time and accepted some things that he accepted them because, how do I say it? He, he was okay with it. It was allowed, but I knew it wasn't exactly his heart. So I had a set of wheels on my car. Actually, I, I got a hand-me-down car, and the, the wheels were hand-me-down wheels. It came all the way from my oldest brother. But uh, I had this set of wheels uh, that were with my car, and the, uh, the the tires on the back were two sizes wider than the tires on the front, and that was the limit my dad would allow. Um, so I had that set of wheels, and I had them on my car. And uh, at one point, I got a hold of a set of wheels. Uh, I didn't purchase them, but I got a hold of a set of wheels. And uh, they they those tires and wheels were totally off the charts. My my dad had no time, no place for him. Uh, I don't think they're probably the only wider tires you could find were drag racing tires. But anyway, um, I put those on my car, and uh, somehow I got through. I probably, I don't know, I probably put them on on a Saturday. I'm not sure. But I got through the weekend. But my dad had a conversation with me on Monday. And my dad, we discussed this thing, and, and there was no uncertain terms uh, the answer to those wheels was no. That's it. My initial response in his face, I don't remember exactly you know, how I actually responded to him, but I know in my heart my initial response was rebellion. I was upset for him, at him for not allowing me to, uh, for, for challenging me on, on them wheels. But I... I processed it, and I don't know how long it took me, probably, I don't know, probably maybe less than a day, I'm not even sure. But I processed that whole thing. I uh, I took them wheels off of my car, and I went over here and I got my standard rally wheels, and I put them on my car. And I never put this second set on that my dad was okay with, but I knew his heart was actually back here. And when he said no to me, the, 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 when, when I processed that and accepted it, the impact in my life took me not to hear, but it took me back to hear, to actually do what I knew he really did want. 
Sometimes it's sometimes it's okay, or sometimes as parents, it's maybe I should say it this way. Sometimes we actually do our children a disfavor by not saying no. My dad did me a favor. It had a, it had an impact on my life that uh, I never put this set of wheels back in my car, even though I knew he I could, and he wouldn't he wouldn't he wouldn't say anything about it. Because, but I knew his heart was here. So remember that um, there there are times when uh, you may have children that you see them. You see them reaching for the trendiness of our present culture. You see them making moves that uh, you see patterns in their lives, perhaps. Don't wait for the church leaders to come. Be a man. Be a dad. You know, sometimes you do need to say no. Um, I know there's probably, you could probably put a a dozen situations on uh, on the board up here that maybe were similar and they turned out different. That's possible. Uh, But the outcome, let me say it this way, even if this outcome would have been different, my dad still did the right thing. Even if I'd have responded differently, my dad still did the right thing. He totally did the right thing. And from my standpoint now, he totally, totally, totally did the right thing. <laughs> I, I was off the charts with that move. <clears throat> so sometimes we need to say no as parents. So cultivate a healthy response to authority in the lives of your children. Help them to understand and appreciate as they're younger, to understand and respond well to guidance. That's basically what you're wanting to do. Help them to learn to respond well to guidance. We're talking about responding well to authority. Uh, I'm going to give a Another illustration, and I have, I have permission to give it, but I'm not sure if I can give it without crying. So it was some years ago that our daughter Kimberly was a single missionary in Africa, and uh, a little orphan child was brought to her to the clinic she was working in and she nursed that little orphan child to health and to strength for a couple of weeks and to her this was an answer to prayer the Lord was opening a ministry that was a burden on her heart for years and this was the first orphan 
uh, child that uh, God was bringing her way. But she was single. And we, as a mission committee, and uh, I as a father had to weigh in on those things and try to determine where do we go from here. And we finally came down to the bottom of the conversation and, and agreed that this was not the time. While it was a noble uh, desire, and we recognized that desire, uh, we just didn't feel like this was the time. And she had to hear the word, no. She faced the most excruciating test of her life. But she passed it. She was able to work through it, was able to come to a place and accept it. And God did a lot of good things in her life. And of course, you kind of know the rest of the story. Today, she has more orphan children in her care than she can handle. Uh, is it nine of them? Teach them. Cultivating healthy response to authority. Sometime it may be your child that someone will need to say no to. Will they be prepared for that? Will they be able to respond to that? Will they be able to accept that and recognize it as God's guidance in their lives? Teach them the value of responding, healthy responses to authority. I'd like to wrap this up. I'd like to simply say in conclusion um, Paul gives uh, Timothy an exhortation in 1 Timothy 4. He says uh, to Timothy let no man despise thy youth but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation in charity, in spirit, in faith in purity in all things And this is Titus. In all things showing thyself a pattern of good works. The idea of these scriptures is it it brings it back to us. Be thou an example. You know, we've talked about a number of points, a number of different uh, areas of where you can cultivate and instruct and teach and train your children. But you know, first off, it has to be in your own life. First off, you need to cultivate those things in your own heart and experience. If you are going to pass them on effectively, uh, cultivate them in your own life. If they're not already there, uh, you'll, you'll 
Your labor will be in vain if you try to instruct and cultivate the lives of your children and your own life is missing the elements that you're trying to cultivate. So be an example. Be uh, More is caught. Yes, more is caught by your life example than is caught by your sermons, your teaching instruction. So always remember that. Your children, your ministry, your calling. God bless you all. It is worth every ounce of effort you put into it. Do not, uh, do not be discouraged. Uh, God is with you. And uh, before you know it, you'll be where we are with only one child left at home. It happens kind of quick. So, be encouraged. Um, give your heart and life to, to the task at hand and, and God bless you in it. Shall we kneel together if you're able and we'll pray. Heavenly Father, again, thank you. Thank you for being with us, for being present in our hearts and lives in this service. Thank you, Lord, for each one that has been here. Thank you for the scriptures that we've been able to consider this morning. And thank you for our children. We are blessed with many healthy, thriving little children in our midst. Thank you, Lord. I ask, Father, for your blessing on the parents. Continue to inspire their hearts with wisdom, with vision, with purpose, with joy, with uh, tenderness, compassion. Oh, Lord, so many things that are needed in the different uh, moments of family life, child training. Uh, Father, just be merciful and bless us. Bless our, bless our young parents, especially as they are in the early stages of, of uh, family life. And Father, again, thank you. Thank you for the privilege to gather. Thank you for the freedom we have in our country. Thank you that your word was preached in many places this uh, Lord's Day again, and we pray that your word would not return void, but that it would uh, fulfill that which you sent it forth to do. And we pray that your kingdom would be built, that your kingdom would come, that souls would be added to the kingdom, and that, uh, yes, even our little ones could uh, grow up in a God-fearing environment and uh, be prepared to be soldiers for Jesus when that call comes in their own lives. So thank you, Lord. Bless us now, Father, as we uh, go forth. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.